0: Slash and cast.
1: Up, fiends and welcome back to Handle with Scare, presented by the Slash Encast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. And throughout the month, we have been taking a look at the fear of cars. And tonight we are going full road rage uh, with Unhinged, which came out in 2020. starring Russell Crowe. This is, uh, you know, the first movie we watched last night for a Twisted Tuesday. Uh, what I had hadn't seen since it initially came out in the theaters, and I have to say, like, I I already knew how good this movie was, and then on the rewatch, like, I forgot just how intense like the chase sequences are. Like my my heart rate just listening to the music alone was spiking, <laughs> like it was fantastic. Uh...
0: Do the thing!
1: Awesome dynamics throughout this movie. Uh, And I'm pretty sure for both of you, this was the first time watch, right?
2: Heard about it. Oh, go ahead. Russell Crowe was in a movie again, and that it was good, basically, (laughs) because he hasn't been in a movie for a while.
0: (laughs) <laughs> I think zombie threw me a bone once. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, zombie. I appreciate the ha
2: <laughs> the I didn't look at who the director or writer or anyone was, but it's, it's really well directed and shot and everything. You know, everything about it is legit. And it's definitely, you know, like a quote-unquote low-budget movie you know not literally a low-budget movie but relatively speaking for a Hollywood yeah like all the money I imagine most of the budget went to Russell Crowe and the and the car stunts and the the really good I'm certain CGI that was done on a lot of those car stunts as well too Mm-hmm.
0: Russell Crowe cuz there was nobody else that was famous in that movie except for the lawyer friend that gets murdered in the first 5 minutes who's the guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> When I saw she immediately dies
2: correct either but she looked kind of familiar she's one of those uh up-and-coming actors i think that you see in a few things but yeah no uh what uh you know the beginning is pretty good russell crow just immediately goes in i figured it had to be like his ex-wife and her new husband i think Do they ever come in the movie i don't know but i just assumed
1: well, husband but just like a new partner like they're not engaged or anything, but yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. They say it kind of right away, right? Like in the news reports that are kind of uh, airing, right? As the family's getting, getting their, their day started and the mom's late and the kid's like, aren't you getting dressed for your new client? I have a mess.
2: Yeah. It kind of doesn't shit together entirely, which I, I, so I, I like this movie a lot, but I definitely have some criticisms that kind of put, jumped out to me when watching it. And one of the first ones was like the whole kind of like, oh, like the, the it's so like coincidental, you know, that like Russell Crowe is the divorced dad who murders his family. And then also the main woman is getting a divorce and her husband's kind of an asshole and is doing messed up stuff. And so there's this kind of immediate, like, match of the two main characters.
0: I'm sure he would have, like, hung his head on anything else, you know? Maybe if she was just, like, if she was still married, he would have found a way to be like, you're probably a shitty wife. Look at you, you're a shitty mom.
2: So... (laughs) I did also get a little bit of a falling-down vibe from this movie. Remember that movie with, uh, I forget the name, yeah, Michael Douglas, uh, you know, the art, Russell Crowe is kind of that character, but not the, well, I guess Falling Down, he's not exactly the hero of the movie, but he sort of kind of is in that movie, but Russell Crowe is definitely not.
0: The protagonist, even if it's an antagonist, which is kind of what, you know, Michael Douglas's role is in Falling Down. No,
1: know, right from the get-go, yeah. <clears throat> with uh, Tom Cooper basically driving to his ex-wife's house and bludgeoning both her and the new boyfriend with a hammer, you know, sets a place on fire, drives off, and then, you know, we get, like, that whole, like, the Purge-esque montage with all of the different, like, reports of, like, people like handle themselves on a the road and dealing with the road rage which was like a like good like three minute portion uh which was pretty great you know really sets the mood and you know like i i thought like one of the most interesting aspects though at least like during a watch party was you know holly's just like talking about like i don't really drive like are people really like this?
2: <laughs> i had a realization watching that intro and also just watching the movie in general that uh, I mean this movie is centered around road rage it's interesting because it's like it's this movie is about road rage for sure but they kind of added in this element where Russell Crowe is already you know unhinged uh, before the the road rage incident Uh, and so but yeah no it does. R- driving causes road rage. Just the act of driving, I believe, causes road rage. Like I feel it. So I used to drive a lot uh, lately since COVID. I almost never drive anymore. Um, and uh, it, yeah, no, you feel the road rage, even if you don't ever like act on it, you feel it for sure. Especially in, uh, places i I don't know where this movie took place it felt like southern california but it could have been somewhere else but especially if you live in a place where there's traffic and you're the way they were trying to route around the freeways and take service roads felt very southern california where you kind of have to do those things uh but no it definitely induces road rage and all of those incidents in the intro of the uh, Movie were like ninety nine percent driving related.
0: <laughs> In my day, yeah, I once uh um, I once followed a woman who cut me off, <laughs> just for a little while.
1: <laughs> Not long enough to be suspicious. <laughs>
0: Child or kill her friend, who's also a lawyer that's helping her through a divorce. I didn't do any of that. I was being cool. (laughs) No, actually, I wasn't being cool. But you know what I mean, like, yeah, road rage is real, and I, yeah, everybody feels it. So it's, you know, it's it's an interesting approach to the phobia for this month because we've been seeing all these um, horror movies about, you know, just cars as death machines and the and the fear that you can have and their inherent danger just because they're these big giant fucking moving things that can squash it and uh, a lot of the movies that we've seen especially coming up here in Christine next week I'm really loving the faux body horror piece of it that you can get from crushed metal and and uh and, and just uh you know that effect that these directors are having so it was really kind of interesting to see Unhinged and just kind of kind of change the perspective on that too so yeah I really I really dug it so this is just I mean I definitely felt like it was a lot more of the you know, we're we're all living in, in a much closer proximity than we think. And, you know, if somebody decides to do harm to you, there's very little that you can do to stop them in the long term. In, I mean, sorry, in the short term. In the long term, yeah, you can call for help. You could do this, you could do that. But in the short term, if somebody wants to kick in your door or drive their car through your house, like there's very little you can do about that other than like run. So it's... Uh, I really liked the the approach the movie was taking and just the you should be afraid of how easily somebody can get to you and hurt you, you know, and for the most part, I mean, like, it doesn't matter size, because if a person decides to hurt you, they don't really need a lot of strength on their side. However, in Unhinged, you know, that was also a really awesome element, just uh, being able to see like Russell Crowe's like massive size and massive strength and just how this guy didn't even fucking need weapons, like he could just crush you with his bare hands. So that
2: was pretty neat, too. I dug it. Inciting road rage event was good, too. Because uh, that's really real when you're behind someone at the light, and the light turns green, and uh, and then... Uh, they don't go or they take a long time to go and you have to honk at them or go drive around. The thing is, I was like, just drive around you. Just go around. Like, because that's what I would do. In huh.
0: About 18 years, but I rent them from time to time. And before that, of course, I had a car and I, and I always do the the you know, the light the light honking. In fact, I get really excited when somebody gives me a reason to lay into the horn. <laughs> It's my time. It's my time right now. I'm going to lay on this horn for a minute.
2: But also, and then I liked the fact that uh, once she did get around him through the light, then she was just immediately in traffic again, and he pulled up next to her, because that's always a good one when you kind of, like, do something, like you honk at someone or you flip them off, and then you're immediately stuck next to them again like less than a minute later it's like oh shit
1: (laughs) not paying any attention to you
0: (laughs) first sequence of her trying to get her kid to school just making bad choice after bad choice driving on the fucking shoulder which I heard that is pretty common for a lot of places but You know, I'm a bit of a rule follower, so, like, I get pretty irate when I see shit like that.
2: So. Where she was in the traffic and they decided to take that exit. And she just pulls out of the line and then kind of drives on the shoulder for a moment and then takes the exit. To me, and people were really honking at her and giving her dirty looks when she did it. But I was thinking during that, that's a legit thing to do. Like, if you're going to make that exit, you can pull out and be on the shoulder for a moment, you know, for a little while.
0: She pulled onto the left shoulder to bypass a car or two and find an open spot to then go across the two or three lanes of traffic to get into an exit lane. Likely freaking out everybody in front of her, right? So, I thought she was a bad driver. <laughs>
2: He would get detention. And uh, on her, it's definitely on her because she overslept. She didn't set her alarm, so she was late. But I like also the this movie is definitely the overall theme of this movie is that you really shouldn't road rage on people because. You never know who it's going to be because, you know, with Russell Crowe, he's already a psycho murderer, but, you know, they can have a gun easily. And in L.A. more, I think, than up here, there's been news of, of people, you know, just shooting at other cars when they have a road rage. Yeah. So it's like, it's literally like the old West where It's, you know, everybody's carrying a gun, so you don't want to just go around disrespecting everyone because somebody might just literally just decide to shoot you for it, you know, it's like, but that, I mean, is it, it's, no, no, (laughs) it's like, they were definitely trying to make that point of like, oh, society's crumbling, we have to be more polite to each other.
0: Where uh, when he catches up to her the very first time, and he gets the the little boy to take down his his window so they could have a conversation, and he in a very scary tone, you know, apologizes to her for not having a good day, and then asks for an apology from her, and I I was really conflicted in that point because part of me was like, hey man, like you were being a bad driver, you could say you're sorry too, uh, and then the other half was like, yeah, fuck him. But then it's just like, ah, like, don't submit to a, you know, big ass man trying to intimidate you. But then also there's a big ass man who could hurt you. So yeah. That's a,
2: no, that's a... Apologize. It is interesting too. Cause it's like, uh, you know, they do the thing where it's kind of both of their fault at first. And then he tries to sort of, uh, Tries to squash the beef, uh, but then she just gives like the sarcastic apology. And so there is a little bit of, you know, and this movie definitely is doing that thing where they're kind of being like, oh, you know, she lives this kind of soft, easy life and like adversity brings out the best in us. And so, like, he's going to put her through this adverse situation and to make her learn to appreciate her life you know that kind of thing almost like the saw thing you know where he's gonna and on one hand it's like okay you know he's like a crazy person and all and, and he's flipping out but uh it did kind of feel a little bit like uh the filmmakers were sort of putting this idea, like, almost, like, the filmmakers agreed with this concept, and I was kind of like, eh, like, I don't know if, like, you know, going through life or death situations necessarily, like, makes a person appreciate their life more, makes them, like, a better person necessarily, like, it can, but that has, like, a philosophy, like, oh, we live these soft lives, and we don't appreciate things, is kind of like, eh, like, I don't know if I agree. <laughs> Not exactly life
0: affirming, you know
2: control
1: mm-hmm. yeah. you know conversation you know we do see Tom you know driving ahead of her, and uh, then you know immediately turns right in front of her, you know pushes down on the brakes, nearly causes an accident at that point in time um but But, you know, like just to just to keep her on her her toes before he eventually does drive off. And, you know, it's clearly something that just shakes Rachel um, at that point uh, before she ends up dropping uh, her son off to school. Um, And that's, you know, when we kind of got like the plans for her to meet Andy, who's like the the divorce lawyer, um, you know, at the diner, which is kind of like their go to spot. Um, But yeah, like, it's was, it was really interesting, because, like, you could tell, like, really early on, that Tom was basically just trying to, like, instill kind of, like, a lesson with, you know, the boy, you know, because, like, they were trying to spin it where it's, like, basically, like, you know, Rachel was just, like, completely being dismissive, saying that, uh, you know, like, I was, like, just trying to say, like, you know, he was having a bad day, and, you know, he just wanted a little bit of a, you know, courtesy honk, that didn't happen, you know, she's just refusing to apologize, and then the whole point was just be like, well, you don't really know what a bad day is. And it's just very ominous, you know, right from the get-go. So, right from the start, you you know, you you have, like, that clear intention uh, from Tom at this point in time. But I just, I love the directions that this movie takes, because like, for this type of movie, it completely diverges from the path, from anything we've ever seen. You know, you don't have someone that's typically, like, really going out of their way. Like, Forcing you to make tough decisions, like on like who to kill, so to speak, which granted that was kinda like a curveball, because nothing actually panned out the way that Rachel was expecting it to. But he was just in complete control the entire time, you know, he had the geolocation because of, you know, the iPad and everything. You know, he at one point sold her phone on top of that, and was able to you know, kind of, like, intervene within her life with, like, the lawyer and whatnot at the diner, which was another fantastic scene. I like, mean, you know, all in all, like, you know, for a Road Rage movie, it just had so many different, like, slasher elements, which we just do not get from this type of movie.
2: It was cool, uh, the... I loved when they went to the gas station, which is where he steals the phone and sets up the uh, tablet which was well done because they you know uh, show her in the gas station talking to the people kind of telling them first of all she's in the gas station kind of asking what to do and the, the the store person and that guy are kind of giving her advice and stuff and I was like at that I feel like at that point you would just call the cop. Just be like, "I'm calling 911." Like that's too fucking sketchy that he's just sitting out there in the truck. Like, but uh, I love though when uh, the guy helps helps her out, and uh, he goes he goes to hit the guy who dives out of the way successfully, but then immediately gets hit by that random car. That was really well done. I liked that, and then. Later in the movie, uh, when she's talking to the police, she says, he already hit someone and killed them at the gas station. And I was like, well, technically, he didn't hit that guy until the other person did. But I guess you could say it's his fault. (laughs) But I thought that was well done, though, because the way they film the stuff in the gas station, it gives him plenty of time. To uh, do the stuff that he's we find out later that he's done where he steals the phone and uses the iPad or whatever to track her car because he has to be tracking her it was far too before we find out that he's tracking her uh, it's far too coincidental you know the way that he just keeps finding her after she loses him a few times
0: is that there were some very formulaic coincidences or not coincidences, but times that you had to suspend your disbelief, right? Where I'm like, okay, so he had time to steal your phone and tape up the iPad under the seat in like the amount, the amount of time that you were in that... Incidentally, she left the, the gas pump pumping and just walked away from her fucking car. Okay. And... Uh, And I don't know, like, it's just, there was just too many, um, it just kept, I was just gonna say, it kept feeling like that I could think my way out of the situation a little bit, you know, which.
2: That scene, like, I thought they did a good job of, like, make, of doing it in a way where it's like, okay, like, you can presume he was, like, a ninja and, jumped out of his truck went in there and did all that but i agree though that it's like it's awfully coincidental and very convenient you know it's very convenient for the story that she did leave her phone and ipad in there and that they were linked and you know that he could grab that phone tape as you say tape it the, the the ipad under the seat do all that where he had the foresight and And intelligence, you know,
0: to kind of do that. And here are the things that you're going to do you're going to drop the new cell phone in the glove or in the the center console. You're going to steal the phone. You're going to find the iPad, unless it's laying around in one of the seats, which you may have. It'll be in the seat or in a purse or whatever. Find the iPad, make strips of tape from the roll of tape you have, and then tape it underneath the, the seat shut the door and walk away from this woman who's already afraid of you and who's already sort of keeping an eye on her car. Not very well, but a little bit. It's just way too much to do in like that span of time, I just think.
2: That, I agree. That's like the point at which it's like, if this all doesn't happen exactly this way, then there's no story. The the movie's basically over at that point, you know, because all she has to do is lose him, what she does, and then, uh, he, you know, and then that's the end of it. But yeah, no, it's kind of like you can hear, it's like you can see the the gears in the writer's heads turn, being like, yeah, like we have to make sure that he can always find her.
0: <laughs> An unorganic, inorganic. Um, it just kind of it, it just keeps your brain thinking about how things had to happen versus just looking at the movie and enjoying the movie, right? Just little things like that. And they and they definitely telegraphed a lot of the. Yeah. There was a lot of surprising moments that I that were really cool. So the guy getting hit by the car. Later we'll talk about the cop car getting like fucking mowed down in half. That was amazing. Like kudos to them. Like.
2: But, uh
0: they made very sure to nail something into your memory that they were I don't know, like just again, telegraphing their punches, like for example, when um he goes into her house and attacks her brother and his fiance, the brother's holding a knife, and I remember thinking like, angle your knife down your in front of your fiance. And then, of course, that murder happens, which we will talk about later. But just a couple of things like that where you're like, okay, they're just, the connections are there, but they're just, I don't know, they weren't, they weren't happiness naturally as I would like, as I would have liked.
2: Not to keep ripping up, because I did like this movie overall, not to keep, but I think what that is too, is there's a little bit, there's a slight tone problem with the movie where on one hand, the movie is very grounded in reality and a lot of the things that happen and the way things happen feel totally realistic, but then you have these moments that feel like way more heightened Hollywood kind of things That like the way he tracks her and, and the murder with when he murders the guy's uh, fiance and things like that. Would that feel very like Hollywood movie and, and slasher? That feels like a definite slasher movie kill something that jason would have done you know uh or michael myers even you know but um but yeah i think it's that there's a slight bit of jarringness between those two tones a little bit but you know still a great extremely well crafted movie is the thing you know the the way it's all edited and put together is really good the tension The way they do the tensions good and that's hard to do to create tension and keep tension going and this movie definitely does that well where the energy always stays up you know it never gets boring or sags in the middle or at the end or anything but yeah Uh,
1: the one customer basically escorted rachel back to her car um basically just telling the guy to like go on his way and he had his you know, license plate memorized. You know, in case he tried anything. And of course, you know, Tom hearing the guy shit talking, like, rams him with the car initially, but then eventually nudges him into you know oncoming traffic as we had mentioned. Um, so you know, at this point, you know, the chase is back on. Tom is still going after Rachel. Uh, you know, and during that time, you know, he basically uh reveals that you know he has her phone at this point, uh, and he's you know kind of like scrolling through the phone. Uh, To, you know, look at the context, and he sees that, you know, Rachel was meeting up with Andy at the diner. Um, So, you know, that sequence in itself is a fantastic scene, because Tom plays it off as being a friend of Rachel's. Uh, And, you know, he's basically, you know, just trying to warm up to Andy, saying, like, yeah, you know, she wanted me to just tell you, like, no, she's sorry she's running late, yada, yada, yada. And then... You know, they have some banter back and forth. And, uh, you know, there's kind of like a coffee bet on whether or not Tom is able to get Rachel on the phone. And then things basically just escalate from that point in time. Um, But, you know, true to like today's society, anytime there's any sort of escalation of violence of any form, you know, the amount of bystanders that just sit idle or are on their phones recording everything rather than actually seeking help or trying to get help uh, is always present. You know, that was the same case in this situation because you had a ton of witnesses. You know, it was in the middle of the day <laughs> and uh, no one does anything, really. Good. and intent, but
2: on the other hand, I definitely would... Well, there, I was like, there would definitely be people calling 911 for sure. Uh, and if someone did, they do show up, yeah. But I feel like it felt a little bit like I feel like more people would have been straight up running out of there, but also like calling at the same time, you know?
0: Call unless there's uh, somebody seriously hurt. So even getting punched in the face if you're still standing or you're still kind of conscious, people won't do anything. Once you become unconscious, then you will have people calling 911. So when he attacks the dude, maybe not immediately doing something, but people are taking out their phones because people just take out their phones for everything. But uh, but uh, they didn't show somebody calling the cops. Somebody obviously did, because, I mean, like, by the time people were running out, I think, you know, there was somebody mentioned something about, like, how the cops were coming or some shit like that. Or did I miss that? But it-
2: pretty soon yeah but yeah definitely but yeah that was a good scene russell Crowe was really good in that uh yeah no he's he still got russell Crowe still got it
0: <laughs> and um i really liked how the movie kept up the momentum you know it starts off with him fucking setting people on fire and it doesn't let up. Like, he continues. I mean, they lull it a little bit for the introduction of the other characters. But then after that, you know, the the intensity's cranked up. And then him being so immediately violent, just really, like, I don't know, like, almost like being in an abusive relationship where, like, you don't know, like, the movie's not letting you understand when the violence is coming and when it isn't. And so you're always on edge the entire time. <laughs> that was a good move.
2: Definitely caught off guard and surprised by the uh, by the chasings and the crashes. Those were really well done and unexpected. I kind of thought that the movie would kind of stay on the lower budget end and not really have those types of crashes and stuff, but that was definitely impressive when those as the chase the chasing ramps up. Uh, We start getting some, you know, as you said, where he just plows, when he's following them and they see the cop car and they're waving at the cop to get his attention. And then, yeah, Russell Crowe hits him and causes him to spin out and then it immediately steamrolls the, almost like the car, the movie we watched last week when it rolled over the cop car and watched it.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, like, it would T-bone it and keep going, not, like, smash it down smooth and, like, continue. Because that wasn't even a semi-truck. That was just a big truck.
2: <laughs> like, one of those Bigfoot uh, monster trucks to just, like, drive over and squish it like that. But it, but that was, like, a nice stylized crash. Uh and there's that other one, I can't remember completely, but the, uh, right around that same time, too, where um, he causes a head-on, and, and the one of the cars goes flipping over the other car, which was really well done. I think it's in the part where he's chasing her soon after, you know, when... Uh...
0: And that's the other thing. There's no way a fucking Minivan can take that much fucking, <laughs> that much of a fucking, like, beat... <laughs>
2: Destructible for sure at least his his pickup truck is more believable since it's a huge truck you know built for work so you can kind of mm-hmm. to go back a tiny bit there are some things that i thought would be like plot points but were not and one was the license plate because as you mentioned uh the guy gets the license plate and then tells her and then she memorizes it. And I thought, oh, that's going to come into play later where memorizing the license plate. But it ended up not really mattering. But they kind of put an emphasis on it that made it feel like it would be. But they did do that, though, with the uh, Fortnite strategy, though, when the kid tells her about his Fortnite strategy, which I don't know. Do you... T, do you play, I know you play some online, do you don't play Fortnite? I was wondering, I was like, that was one of those things where I was like, is that a real strategy? Is is the person who wrote this movie a Fortnite player and they squeezed in a real Fortnite thing? Or is that just completely BS and they just wanted to mention Fortnite because it's a popular game? (laughs)
1: I have seen people try to do like the setup ambush so to speak which really what it was um but you know it's definitely not like a go-to strategy uh by any stretch of the imagination
2: where it's like go somewhere where you know the layout really well so that you're you know where to go which is what they eventually do but uh Two is that uh, whenever Russell Crowe is interacting with people, like when he initially talks to the main character in the kid or when he's talking to the lawyer in the in the restaurant, uh, he he looks relatively normal, but there's a really small amount of blood splatter on his shirt that's visible and that nobody ever notices, but it's just kind of there whenever he's hanging out, talking to people. But people always interact with him like he's normal. You know, they don't pick up on the blood splatter.
0: I'm sorry, ketchup. I'm covered in stains all the time.
2: <laughs> I was trying to figure out what he did. Yeah. I don't know, did they? His shirt something, or maybe while
0: he's on the phone, something about how he lost his job and, like, the 20-some years he put in, or seven whatever years he put into his job. Do you remember that, I I can't remember what he said. Either way, he gave up. A-
1: I don't remember what he did for a living.
2: Yeah. Exactly. He's, you know, it's a... Uh, 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 To use, he literally has to use a modern term I've been hearing a lot lately. He's got divorced dad energy. (laughs) (laughs) Of that (laughs) energy,
0: yeah, that really fits. Oh, go
2: ahead, see.
1: just smashes the mug in the uh, lawyer's face, ends up uh, stabbing him to death in front of everyone that's at the diner. Uh, And it's at this point where, you know, we start to get like the ultimatums where Tom is basically telling Rachel, like, you know, he's like filtering through like all of her contacts and telling Rachel like, hey, you need to choose someone uh, for me to target or, you know, who's going to die next at this point in time. And, you know, Rachel initially is just like, not really going along with it, she tries to, be like, pick herself, you know, being the noble thing to do, and of course, Tom has, Tom's not gonna go for that at all, because there'd be no point in that. You know, he's trying to make her suffer, not just, you know, skip to the end, so to speak, uh, in this point in time. Uh, and, you know, she's, like, trying to think like, okay, uh, and he's kind of, like, trying to give you know whether it's like you know the ex husband you know the mom the brother uh but you know her first choice ended up being the client who had fired her towards the start of the movie <laughs>
2: definitely well also we get inter we get introduced to the brother and the fiance who we kind of mentioned earlier right something i kind of want to point out too that i felt weird about with this movie was that the people who get murdered get introduced i guess not so much the lawyer but when it comes to the brother and the fiance they get introduced in this kind of negative way where you don't like them and then when the bad things happen to them it's like you know like i i feel bad for them i don't want them to uh have bad things happen but there is almost this element of like yeah like it's almost like they went out of their way to it's you know what, like in uh 80s slasher movies how the kids who get murdered always do something wrong like they do drugs or they have sex and then and it's like they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, so they get killed. It was almost kind of like that kind of vibe where it's like everyone who ended up getting killed kind of did, you were introduced to them in a way where you didn't really like them. So it was almost like, okay, it's acceptable to kill these characters, but not not the characters we like, which in the past I've said, like, I do like it when characters we like don't get killed.
0: I felt like um, her, you see her twice. One of the times she's apologizing for using her professional scissors to clip coupons. And then the second time, you can't even see her face and she's all beat up and bloody. And I I remember thinking like, that's so sad. She just barely made it onto the movie. (laughs) She didn't even have any real lines.
2: Even though the brother got burned, it, it should yeah, it felt unfair that that happened to her. Uh, but it like yeah, the brother was, was a little more deserving. <laughs> he's fine. And I knew when they when they reveal he's fine. When I remember when when they revealed that he was alive, I was like, no shit. Like he I mean he was on fire but only for a second before that the cop was able to douse him out with the towel.
0: You're going to be severely damaged. Like that's third-degree burns already. Like he's not okay. He's no longer a pretty boy. He's got a radio now. <laughs> Make room for a new podcast in the world. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But I remember thinking, like, oh, yeah, he's alive. Yay! Which is really cool, but also it's like, he's gonna be really fucked. <laughs> but... Like, it's not, like, a super happy ending about him. Right, T? mm
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. ...seeing that whole uh, scene in the house with the murder.
0: You know, deal with them throughout the rest of the movie, because he's, like, I remember there's, uh, one of my favorite parts in A Brother Where Out Thou, uh, was the, the, um, the John Goodman character part where he lures them into, like, a secluded area or a remote area, and then he beats the ever-loving shit out of them, and he's, like, a con man wearing this, this awesome, like, linen suit, uh, and then he turns, right, he turns from being, like, to just beating the shit out of them with a fucking big old stick. And like basically when the juggernaut like sneaks up on you because he trusted him because he was he was being nice. I, I was getting some of that energy, too, off of like Russell Crowe's like character, just like this juggernaut that you just unstoppable. And he's got a couple of bullets in him, which is good for, you know, for mom, because that'll help her out. But I also like that um, it didn't take usually more than a hit to take her down for a, you know a few minutes. Before she was able to pick herself up again and go try to rescue her son, which was very realistic, and I, I enjoyed movies that make the fight more realistic rather than like pretending that in a fairy tale world where they could be like you know hand to hand combat and that she have a fair chance. Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it is good to like your they you know the filmmaking and the writing are done well enough where. It, it when he gets shot, you're like, yes, yes. <laughs> like really? but you're still happy that he at least got some damage, you know, because he's too powerful and uh and he hasn't really had anything happen to him yet, you know? Uh so yeah, that was good. Although and that's the that guy a little bit that's the same guy he shows up later. Uh and when he showed up later, I was just kind of like, oh, like, there you are. Like, you couldn't, like, get after him, you know. Once he shot him, I forget. He sort of pushes the on-fire guy into him and escapes. But I was a little bit like, oh, you should! I know you gotta put out the on-fire guy, but you should have still been getting after Russell Crowe. No, exactly. You're alright? Alright, I'm out of here. <laughs> but <laughs> With that, you know, definite definite horror movie like it almost felt, you know, like uh Russell Crowe was gonna start to become like super like supernatural, just start taking like so much damage but still keep coming, you know, like nothing would stop him
0: gonna take a lot. I mean I'm really glad of how he was finally dealt with because yeah you're not gonna survive that. <laughs> Everything else I was like holy crap.
2: So yeah they came up with that plan to go back I guess it's their own neighborhood, right? Was where they went
0: brother and girlfriend were living with you know mom was because they had to get out of grandma's house because they were gonna sell it. But she still lived in this you know sort of a gated community that had a very windy sort of random you know way of setting up the houses that was very confusing to people, which of course became a big plot point later
2: on <laughs> part of the the
0: Fortnite plan <laughs> dads out there <laughs> saying that but uh one of my most it was a very frustrating. A uh, feature or element of Russell Crowe's uh, character, but how he was always blaming everything he did on everybody else. I know it's dumb, but I and I know it's just a fucking movie, but I it really grinds my gears when people do that. Look what you made me do! I will smack you.
2: Like I'm only doing this because everyone's mean to me and you know like i'm not mm, it's that kind of mass shooter thing of like you know that's the that's the thing about falling down uh the that's sort of the weird thing because that movie came out a long while ago like mid 90s i think it was and that movie almost kind of does have like a pop like it's pro the main character who snaps and starts going crazy and killing people and it's more kind of like near the second half of the movie where it makes it more clear that he is the villain you know but uh that's the interesting thing that i like about this movie is that it definitely takes more of the vibe of where he is the villain the whole time and not trying too much to kind of be like oh but maybe he does have a point you know about how people are being rude to each other you know it's like on one hand like flipping people off isn't that great you know when you're driving but um but it's worse to then you know murder the person who flipped you off that's much much worse (laughs) and it's you know bad it's like you know bad things happen, you can't then be like, now's my opportunity to, like, kill a bunch of people because some bad stuff happened to me.
1: (laughs) He was feeling powerless and invisible to, like, humanity, and, you know, like, revenge and violence was really all that he has left to get him through the day. (laughs) It's like, whoa, buddy, like, it's not that bad. Calm down.
2: (laughs) It's like, you know, you feel like powerless to like join the club, like <laughs> unless you're a multi, unless you're a billionaire, unless you're Elon Musk, you are powerless not to be, you know. But <laughs> not to be, not to get super dark with it, but it's just like, you know. But it's it uh, also
1: have like the three minute timer that Tom puts on Rachel to uh, go get. You know, uh, Kyle, who's, you know, currently in school on like a kind of like a soft lockdown, uh, because of everything that's happening during this. Uh, and you know, like basically saying, like, you know, if you don't make it back in three minutes, I'm gonna light your brother on fire. And uh that's when we kind of have like Tom forcing uh, you know, Fred to like write a letter. Uh, you know, kinda like saying what's going on. So, you know, Tom's just trying to cover his tracks, uh, you know, during this. Uh, and of course, you know, like Rachel's trying to talk to the principal at the school, and you know, trying to explain everything that's you know, kind of like going on, being like, "See, like this is that guy, you know, like I need to get my son now." At this point in time, um, and you know, eventually she does end up getting Kyle, and that's you know, when the police eventually do arrive to Rachel's house to confront uh, Tom. But you know, we got that great you know fire shot and. Uh, the brother getting pushed into the cop, and you know Tom taking that damage, which was great to see because like we we don't always get to see the villains actually taking damage in the movies, and it was nice to see like Tom basically like having to like find he, the his way out of the situation. Like he had to flee at that point in time.
2: I was getting a little bit of a Joker vibe, uh, like the uh, the one you know, no the uh the um you know the the good joker the real- the um no, no, uh, you know the guy from oh I can't believe I'm using this reference to reference the joker, but the guy from ten things I hate about you, he's led their joker, but uh, <laughs> but uh you know in his joker where he does the thing where you know he's like gives batman the choice of who do I kill and then he tries to do the thing to, he tries to sort of trick the joker by picking what he thinks is the one you know and then he says okay I'm going to go after her. and we know how that all plays out if we've seen the movie but it's it's actually kind of similar in this where he says you know pick and then she picks That woman thinking, okay, I'm going to call the police, send the police to her house so that when he goes to her house, they'll catch him and then I'll go to the other location. And he kind of, he's playing his game. And so he actually goes to where the woman is going and avoids going to the house where the cops go. Which also, again, just reminded me too, a, a bit of that scene from, uh. The Silence of the Lambs, you know, when they have the part where you think the police are going to the house where the murderer is, but then it turns out they're at the wrong house. But yeah, you get kind of that whole thing, which again is where it kind of feels it's like great movie, but this again is a section where, that felt a bit like now we're in like a heightened Hollywood action movie kind of stuff, you know, with with that And not so much in the grounded road rage movie, you know. But still fun though. It was like really well done. And then what he
1: And uh you know Rachel's talking to uh Kyle about like trying to like figure out like the geolocation essentially. Uh so you know they can keep tabs on where Tom is, uh using the GPS app on the tablet. Uh, which they do find, like, you know, taped under the seat, as we had mentioned. Um, and this when, you know, when we find out that Tom has actually taken the minivan at this point in time and uh, happens to be right in front of them. How convenient, because obviously, like, you already knew where they were at this time. And that's when, you know, they're trying to, like, flag down the nearby police officer uh, that is on the highway as well. Uh, and, you know, eventually just rammed the officer's car, which causes just, like, this huge multi-vehicle car accident. Uh, as we've kind of alluded to already at this point in time. Uh, and, you know, this is kind of like when we lead into uh, the the grandma's neighborhood.
2: The booby trap. The ambush. Where I guess the idea is to lure him. Yeah, she she's going to hide with her vehicle, and then when he pulls up to the house, because of course he's going to go to the I, she's in a different vehicle, right? Is that how they do it? She Or no, I guess she leaves the...
0: So I remember thinking, like, pull down the, the, the door. <laughs> and he goes to hide in some sort of, like, crawl space where there's a lot of storage. That seems like a great space. Um, I'm not kidding. That does seem like a great space. Okay, let's give you my secret closet.
2: that's like one of those east coast uh old like 1800s east coast houses that have like the hidden compartments and rooms in there like i don't know like again i don't know where this movie took place i thought it was southern california but those hiding spots were very not the kind of things that are not in southern california want yeah. <laughs> somebody that hard And I was a little disappointed. I it, it was a great, I liked the idea and the, the fact that they did it. But And she flips his car completely over, but it doesn't seem to do anything or hurt him more. And I was really hoping, because I liked how they did the thing where he was kind of indestructible, but then once he got shot a couple of times, it weakened him a lot. And I was kind of hoping that the hit ramming him and causing the accident would damage him messed up but yeah he was kind of fine from that I was like that feels a little bit like you know the plan wasn't really that useful but but I really appreciate I like when movies do that thing where something earlier in the movie you know teaches or it's the whatever the Chekhov's gun thing where it's like something earlier in the movie is and then it comes into play later like the, the character has learned and been like oh i'm i learned about that thing and now i'm going to use that information to defeat the bad guy so i like that they did it but it felt a little bit like oh you didn't get much out of doing that <laughs> you know felt the little use, but it was fine i mean you know and he freaks out and i, I do have to nitpick also about how on one hand they were showing how he was pill popping the whole time, and they were kind of making it. <laughs> and I, I have to say, I mean, it's fine. It's like it's a horror movie. It's it's a movie. It's fine. But oxycodone makes you drowsy and sleepy, and makes people black out. It makes people nod off. Like they'll just be sitting there, and then they'll just be unconscious randomly. Uh, And so on one hand, it was like they were kind of using that as like, I think, an explanation for why he could take so much damage and be so like out there and not really be affected because it's like, oh, he's popping painkillers. He's not really feeling what's happening. But at the same time, I was kind of like, he's all amped up and he's really aggressive and oxycodone would really have the opposite effect on a person. <laughs> exactly. Ah, whatever. I was like, it's fine though, you know, it's it's a movie, no big no big deal. Uh
0: crashes. <laughs> but I think that really cements like why this movie's such a great pick for, you know, the fear of cars. You know, just over and above unnatural ways that cars behave. That's what happened here. And then also some very natural ways that they behave, where you can very much still kill somebody with your car.
2: And this is also like I was thinking about it, too, that this is like a fear of cars movies in terms of like uh, the way that driving a car just being like the driver of a car can induce road rage or can cause these kinds of crazy situations to happen where in any other circumstance, this kind of thing would never happen. You know, like it's incredibly rare where people would get in a fight or like a physical altercation like in line at a grocery store because like the person in front of them is taking too long but yet in a car if you know in the movie if someone's taking too long at the green light and you honk people will flip out about that stuff and having the car means you have this deadly weapon in your hands and people will actually do that so it's like you almost have that fear of cars thing of just like how operating a car can either put you in the position of being like the road rager or the person who's being road raged on,
0: you know? Boiled down to who's got the better car, which didn't seem to matter. Whatever car Russell Crowe was driving was immediately like a muscle car, even if it was a minivan. <laughs> but yeah, just like these cars going crazy fast and then you you have to,
2: Way out like big truck versus little car, you know. <laughs> and I did to point out another thing, another one of those things that I thought they were seeding a plot point, but then ended up not being a thing, was when they early when she turned on the car and when she first gets in the her car and turns it on and starts driving it and it has the check engine light comes on. And I was like, oh, that's going to be a thing because the check engine lights on, which means she's going to start having car trouble while he's chasing her. But it didn't, nothing came of it. And I was like, oh, I thought that was, I thought they were making a point of that.
0: Jam it into pumping, which incidentally, that bothered me to no fucking end. But I, I for some reason, I thought that was going to be significant. I thought it was going to, you know, fill up and, and then... It was going to light
2: up a fire and now the whole thing was going to go up in flames. That's, I guess, beyond the budget. Really? But yeah, so then he just, and then what, they have the final, the brawl, which we've kind of, excuse me, we've kind of talked about a bit The that they do end up brawling and it is realistic. I like how, uh. You know, she keeps getting knocked down by him, of course, but then she's able to keep getting up and, like, jumping on him and just doing whatever she can to kind of distract him. (laughs) Yeah. Separate by doing that. They had that false jump scare where she shows up in the hiding spot and gets him and it's like. Uh, yeah he figures out where the kid is though because the kid knocks over the,
0: the what's the point of a fucking hidey hole if you don't fucking hide in it
2: I know yeah but they did have the of your lungs while you're in the
1: hidey hole so that way you don't give away your in too
2: jumped there, yeah, made him scream at full volume. It's like, uh, you're not, that's not good. Yeah, you're not helping. Uh, but, but so how do they eventually get him? Like, they're, is it a cop shows up and shoots him again, or what?
0: It's like, he tears off the, the cord from a lamp and ties it around her kid's neck and is choking him to death. Uh, cause he wants her to see. And so she has just been knocked down. So she's got to like, get it together. And, uh, she searches for these, the pair of scissors that are shaped same color as candy cane that came up earlier and she had put in her back pocket and then she looks for them over and over and over. And then a minute later, she's still looking and patting her butt, looking for them. finally finds them, takes them out, does one of the, like where she, you know, she. Where she jumps and like, you know, all her limbs go backwards so that she can come down on him. And um, where'd that thing go? And uh, and sticks those those uh, those scissors right in his eyeball. And then he comes up so he could see his surprised look. And he's like, oh. And then she knocks it deeper into his brain and then it, it takes him out. Which was? The fact, the fact that
1: she's like, here's your fucking courtesy tap, and then she kicks it in.
2: <laughs> Which is extremely slasher movie. That is definitely like the final girl uh, moment where she gets her one-liner. <laughs> the, thing about, the thing about those one-liners is you have to think, of, you have to think them up on the spot. It's gotta be it's gotta be custom tailored to the moment for sure.
0: Interactions with the person you're killing Finishing
2: up. <laughs> good line though too, like a good usage of that. Yeah, take <laughs> it. Exactly. What was uh yeah, no, there's a. It reminded me, I, I, I should have looked it up because I didn't, but there's a Friday the 13th, or not Friday the 13th, but a Nightmare on Elm Street line. For, oh, it's from the Freddie versus Jason movie where that main blonde girl yells kind of a similar line when she does, takes out one of them or does something. I can't remember, but I don't even know why I brought it up. I should have looked it up before I, but. Exactly, but the point is, is the point is, is that scene and that line was a, was straight out of a classic. You know, that's a very classic uh, slasher movie thing. And also, just having him do the pop up. You know, he's not actually dead, and he pops back up. Classic slasher movie. And then I gotta say, speaking of slasher movies, once he is killed, and then we. Uh, you know, they kind of show her going about her day, you know, once it's all over with. Um, it, the camera kind of pans up and it starts playing uh, D- Don't Fear the Reaper, the Blue Oyster Coat song. And I was like, wait, now all of a sudden we're in a screen movie. Like, What's happening? <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't the original but my, just that shot of kind of the suburban town and that song playing, I was like, oh my god, it's, we're in a, a screen movie all of a sudden. This is weird.
1: <laughs> Rachel getting cut off. <laughs> and, you know, she stops herself from like really doing anything or honking the horn. <laughs>
2: Ultimately, yeah, you have have to be a courteous driver. That's the lesson of the movie.
1: Fucking Dairy Queen. You know, they never got the blizzard. Unbelievable. Terrible (laughs) parenting.
2: This movie reminded me of a really great YouTube video that went viral very recently where... These two guys are podcasting in a cafe. And then all of a sudden, this car just comes spinning. Like you, you see that they're sitting there filming themselves podcasting, and you see the window behind them. They're in a cafe and you see the street. And all of a sudden, this car just comes sliding sideways into the camera and then curves around and smashes straight into the window wall right behind them as they're podcasting. And just look, check it out online, look it up. But this movie, the action in this movie was very much kind of right out of this viral video. (laughs) Or this video had kind of the real world equivalent of what was happening in this movie. But yeah, was this team, did you check, is this director done other things of note? Cause definitely good. Like I don't know if he's done other horror movies or what, but definitely really good job. The
1: so Joneses. Is... Yeah. Uh, David, uh, the Deco- the in it, and Demi Moore, Amber Heard.
0: But like, join
1: country clubs and yeah, they're living in like this upscale, like, suburbia.
2: That's cool. Nice. Yeah, think no. since,
1: but it has a more notable, um, deri- uh, more notable writer. I remember, I recognize one of them. Um, That was Carl Ellsworth, who did Red Eye Disturbia in the remake for The Last of Us on the Left.
2: Yeah, it's got, it's good. And he, it's like, he does get definitively killed, but like, it does feel like you could have a sequel to this movie, you know? where he comes back and he could they could have like the supernatural sequel where he's undead and then keeps coming after her like Jason
0: Like you know fucking like something like somebody fucks with his car or, you know, maybe some like romantic rival takes a shit on it and like whatever. And then his, it's his turn to have road rage and he doesn't have a gun. He's got a car. They just mows down all of like the the varsity team or some shit.
1: Or, in that situation, you know, he's pissing off his mom. (laughs) And the mom kills him.
2: (laughs) For being such a
1: terrible driver.
2: (laughs) He's my kid, I have to stop him. For sure. (laughs) Yes, seriously, he caused a lot of mayhem. One of the only little kind of things where I was like, uh, that I noticed was a little bit also kind of not slightly realistic was uh, in that last third of the movie, there would have guaranteed been helicopters all over the place by that point. Cause, you know, you always see on TV when there are the chases and things like that, that the the helicopters are the news and the police helicopters are all out in force once that stuff starts going down. Pretty much after that first main big accident he caused, you know, the one where he steamrolled the cop car, that's the point at which there would have been helicopters everywhere. And I was all, oh, another quick thing I just want to add too was uh, they had the video game Fortnite thing, but I was thinking. It would have been kind of better if uh, the kid, because everybody has played Grand Theft Auto Five, and it would have been great if the kid was giving her advice on how to evade the bad guy and how to do things based on his uh, Grand Theft Auto knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Pull into the garage. Get a spray paint. Get a spray job. Like, like the, use the underground garage. Like, use the, like, you know. Because
0: I don't think I can take him on by myself.
2: Unhinged. I like the name is good too of the movie. Unhinged. It almost feels too just as easily done this movie without him even having murdered anybody before the uh before the start. You know, it could have just started you know with the driving and and the interaction on the road and then just gone from there almost like uh you know what do you call it uh the movie we were going to watch but didn't uh, yeah like dual style where it just happens randomly and we don't even know anything about it you know but it was good
1: it was just completely off the rails and that's why I went to such great lengths
2: I think of, uh you don't know who you're pissing off when you do this, you know, you're, you could be pissing off the exact wrong person that you don't want to piss off. But yeah.
0: Delicious. I'm not going to lie.
1: We, we went to Dairy Queen to pick up an ice cream cake today from my nephew, <laughs> and that was pretty good. It was also Oreo. <laughs> so I was like, all right, we got I got my DQ.
0: We're good. Go buy some Haagen-Dazs at the store. That'll treat you better, I, I guarantee you. But it's still delicious. It's still ice cream, so, you know. It's like pizza, even when it's bad. It's pretty good. Hmm? Oh, Yeah.
2: They got the soft serve, which all the McDonald's ice cream machines are broken, so you can't get that. Can't get that here, really, you know. But, (laughs) but yeah, good movie overall, though. You know, definite thumbs up. And we'll have. Are
0: we gonna have zombie joining us uh, next week? This movie. And then. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think we picked. Evil Dead Rises.
2: I've been avoiding. I've been avoiding reviews, but the early reviews are starting to pop up. I'm noticing. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely down to see that in the theater for sure. Ah, that's alright. Was we'll it?
1: Honestly, like, there's more action than what I was anticipating for, like, that type of movie. I wouldn't say I was, like, blown away by it. But, you know, it was worth seeing. And there's some pretty good, like, Dracula nods from, like, prior iterations from Nicolas Cage in this one. He's so... You know.
2: Checked out a couple of reviews of that one, which have been generally pretty positive. And uh, but they did uh, one of the one channel I like that reviewed it did point out that it is a bit more of a superhero movie than a horror
1: that <laughs> one, you know, but yeah, so next week we got Christine uh should be a good time, and uh, you know, been I mean, a while since I've seen, it I haven't seen it since I saw it at the drive-in uh one of like the uh Dawn horror events that I go to during the fall. The Dixon Drive-In out by me do Flashback Weekend, which is like the the convention I go to in August. And then like the proceeds from that basically like pay for the operation costs for the drive-in. So they basically do the convention, and then like during the fall they kind of do like a separate event where they show like four different movies at the drive-in. And it goes, you know, all night until the morning. It's like a two hour drive.
2: Yeah. That's cool, though. I don't think there's any drive ins around here anymore. Not even just like, you know, somebody doing it to keep it going for fun, kind of thing.
1: About, about 20 minutes from me, but they don't do any like R rated stuff, really. You know, it's just like.
0: Rebecca, your car, or truck. <laughs> once and i spent and it was a double feature one of the movies was uh deep sea the one with the uh, maybe it's deep blue deep blue the one not no yeah, that's the anime movie it was the one with uh, uh samuel jackson where they're underwater yeah deep, i feel like that's too many words <laughs> deep sea deep blue sea maybe yeah and i can't remember what the other movie was because i was making out all the time all, all the way through it <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah. All right, well uh I can go to bed.
2: I was also kinda of hoping he might do that speech from uh, Gladiator when he he was like, My name is Burg you murdered my wife. Like the, you know, when he does his little monologue before he kills the emperor, they should have had a nod to that. But yeah, what do you feel? I think we got Christine.
1: Should be a good way to wrap up the month. And then, of course, we'll let you guys know what we got coming up for the next Mobia. Then we'll kind of get our short list going for that. Uh, but anyways, <clears throat> thank you so much for listening to Hand of Scare. Again, we are presented by the slash NCAS Podcast Network. You can find us releasing new episodes, uh, you know, on your podcast of your choice. Basically, every Thursday morning, a new episode should be up. Uh, but in the meantime, guys, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys back next week.